Welcome. This is Crime Noir, a true crime podcast telling our stories. And I'm your host, Candace, and this is Case 18, The Disappearance of Joanna Brooks. Welcome back, you guys, to another episode of Crime Noir. I would just like to apologize for some sound quality issues. Um, This week, I got a puppy and she ate my mic cord. So I apologize if this doesn't sound um, up to par as my other episodes do. But this topic I'm covering today is about a lady who disappeared on a cruise ship. I recently went on a cruise and fell down a rabbit hole of cruise ship disappearances. So this one really intrigued me. And actually, I was looking for another disappearance on a cruise ship and I stumbled upon this one. And yeah, I'm excited to give it to you guys. Um, There's not a lot of information out about her disappearance. So it might be a shorter episode, but I hope you guys enjoy. This case did leave me feeling a little bit paranoid. I did enjoy my cruise ship experience, but I doubt I'll go back on one just because, yeah, now I'm like freaked out. One thing about being like a true crime podcaster is that everything you read makes you like super aware. So now I'm like super paranoid about anything. But without further ado, let's just get into today's episode. And I like to start off with a trigger warning that although today's episode does not feature explicit language, it does feature adult themes to include the discussion of violence. So let's just jump into the facts. Researching this case kind of annoyed me because there was not a lot of news coverage regarding her disappearance. And there has been a lot of high profiled um, cruise ship disappearances, such as Amy Lynn Bradley. She gets a lot of coverage. So I was quite annoyed to find very little information on Joanna. Joanna Brooks was a 44-year-old woman from Franklin, Louisiana. And on January 20th, 2018, she boarded a carnival cruise called Carnival Triumph in New Orleans with her husband, Scott Brooks. It was a five-day cruise. The cruise was a Christmas gift from Scott, and it was headed to Mexico. This cruise would make two stops in Cosmo and Progreso, Mexico. The cruise was due to return to New Orleans on January 25th, 2018. On January 21st, 2018... Joanna went overboard. The last time Joanna was seen alive, according to reports, was when she was witnessed at dinner with her husband, Scott, in which they both engaged in a loud argument. The argument got so out of hand that security escorted them out of the restaurant. And just 30 minutes later, Joanna went overboard. This occurred while the ship was in the Gulf of Mexico. The cruise ship staff immediately went and started searching for her, and the Mexican Navy also started looking for her. They deployed jet skis, lifesavers, and boats to look for her, but she was never found. Once it was discovered that she went overboard, the ship stopped in the middle of the sea for 13 to 15 hours. This caused passengers to lose a day in Mexico. A lot of passengers were concerned about her well-being and were saddened to hear that she fell overboard. There were rumors that she accidentally fell overboard or that she was taking pictures and fell overboard. But her husband was detained and questioned but never charged or publicly named a suspect. When he returned home, he did not reach out to Joanna's family at all. 
I'm not sure if this is still the case because there's not much information regarding her disappearance. So I'm not sure if her family has since talked to Scott, but it's not really clear. Anyway, Joanna's mother, Marilyn Winfrey, has stated that she has received very little information in regards to her daughter's disappearance. The family attorney indicated that they have trouble getting information from Carnival because Carnival headquarters is based out of Florida. The FBI is involved in this case, but has not made any public declaration as to what happened. The case is still being investigated. Before I get into my personal theories, I just want to give some stats about cruise ship disappearances. I pulled this information from a website called cruisejunkie.com. Since the year 2000, approximately 300 people have gone overboard. In this year alone, I'm talking about 2019, there have been 25 people that have gone overboard on various cruise ships. Last year, I'm talking about 2018, 25 people went overboard. These numbers are considered very low, considering that over 20 million people travel on cruises each year. Falling overboard is actually a pretty rare event. But the most common reasons people fall overboard are either suicide attempts, they're drunk, or there's foul play. And people tend to die mainly during rescue attempts. Approximately 60% of overboard deaths occur during the first few minutes of being in the water. This could be due to the temperature of the water or injuries that the person gets. Approximately one to five deaths occur during the rescue. There's a pretty small window of rescue time when someone falls overboard. It really depends on the temperature of water and what route the cruise is going. There's also a small window before the passenger can drown. And it can take several minutes between a passenger witnessing a fall of another passenger and then reporting it to the captain and then the captain stopping the ship and then the captain turning around. So it's a whole process. It's just a lot to think about. There is no current detection system to determine when a passenger falls overboard, but the Coast Guard is trying to develop one. A company called Radio Zealand was developing one, and it came with a laser sensor that can detect when someone went overboard and a camera that records the person going overboard. However, there were some issues as it was giving false positives because of various things such as the weather, the sea, birds, and other things. Anyway, let's jump into some theories, y'all. I believe Joanna met foul play, and I don't believe a woman who's going on her first cruise would just jump and kill herself. And I don't believe she was taking pictures in a way that would leave her vulnerable to the ocean. I believe it's no coincidence that before she went overboard, she was heard arguing loudly with her husband. The fact that he didn't initially talk to her family regarding her death is suspect. So mm, not looking good for me. And also forcing someone to go overboard or disposing of their body overboard is one way to get away with murder because the likelihood of recovery is very slim. So that's just another thing to have in the back of your mind. I am curious to know what they were arguing about because that could give us insight um, as to what happened to her. And I believe it was personally, it wasn't a planned out crime. I think like their heated argument was what escalated into her going overboard. 
And I also just hope that her family is able to get closure regarding what exactly happened to her. I'll definitely be, you know, checking in and, you know, continue to got to update you guys on what's going on. So let's jump into some noir news. My first story this week is that of Kodak Black. He was sentenced to four years in federal prison for weapons charges and the maximum sentence he could have um, faced was 10 years so he actually got kind of got off light considering that he's been in and out of the system since like 15 and I didn't also didn't know like researching this that Kodak Black is 22 years old I could have sworn he was at least like 30 years old but Yeah, so he'll definitely be down for four years, and he still has one other case for criminal sexual conduct in South Carolina in which he is accused of raping somebody. Um, So he could be facing 30 years for that. So hmm, that's something interesting that happened in hip-hop news. Also in hip-hop news, rapper Little Reese was shot on November 11th in Chicago at approximately 2.30 p.m., and a lot of reports saying, well, a lot of initial reports said that he died, but he didn't. But he's currently in critical condition. I know Little Reese has been close friends with Little Dirk, and I know Chief Keith. I even saw Little Dirk tweet about him and his well being. Little Reese has made some interesting comments on um, Twitter. He has taunted the death of Little JoJo. So I don't know if that's like retaliation for that. But I will definitely be following up on what's going on with little Reese. Um, I pray that he pulls through. And let's move on to my next story. So my next story today is, I'm sure you guys have heard, is about the Popeye stabbing in which a man by the name of Kevin Davis lost his life after cutting Rico McLean in Popeye's after he was waiting for a long time. And My thoughts on this matter is that it's really sad that someone lost their life over a sandwich. And it's very sad to me that someone threw away their life over a sandwich. It's never that deep. It's not that big of a deal. It's just a freaking sandwich. And people need to stop the violence and stop getting escalated over things that are so trivial in the grand scheme of things. So I'll definitely be... um, updating the podcast about this because I'm curious to what he is going to do in court or if he's just going to plea out or whatever. So yeah, this next story y'all is very interesting to me. The Potomac River rapist was caught and this rapist terrorized the Washington DC area from 1991 and 1998. And he was captured by DNA testing and he, his identity was revealed as Giles Warwick and he's 60 years old and he's been on the run for a long, long time. And officials say that they have six DNA perfect matches of him and he used to rape women, murder them and attack them. So I'm glad this little low life was caught and he will probably spend the rest of his days locked up in a prison. So that's good news. My last story today, y'all, has left me feeling heartbroken And I can say this case has gotten a lot of media attention because I see my Twitter followers outraging about it. I see my Facebook friends outraging about it. So let's just get into it. So Alexis Crawford was a student at Clark Atlanta University in Atlanta, Georgia. 
and she went missing after reporting her roommate's boyfriend for sexual assault. And it turns out her roommate, Jordan Jones, and her boyfriend, Baron Brantley, actually had something to do with her disappearance. Alexis had accused him of sexually assaulting her and they murdered her. They strangled her and got rid of her body like she was a piece of trash. And this has left me feeling outraged. She did not deserve this. She did everything she was supposed to do. She reported her sexual assault. She tried to take it to authority, got a rape kit tested. And this loser, Jordan Jones, threw her life away for a man. And this Baron Brantley is trash through and through. And now a family is without their daughter who had a very promising, bright future. It's just really, really sad out here. They choked her until she was dead and put a bag over her head like she was trash. Just disgusting, despicable, and an abomination. And I hope the rest of their days are hell-filled on earth. And that's genuinely how I felt because I hate seeing stuff like that where young girls are brutalized for reporting their assaults or trying to do the right thing. It just makes me utterly disgusted. And I hope you guys are disgusted like I'm disgusted. Stop protecting rapists. Stop doing it. It makes me upset. It makes me vengeful, hateful. It's not cool at all. And you know what, guys? I'm just going to end the show on that note. Um... I appreciate you guys for tuning in. I have announced my giveaway on Instagram. So if you're interested, go check that out. I plan on releasing the winner on next week's episode. So like I said, I always appreciate you guys for listening to me and giving me feedback and kikiing with me on Instagram. And I just love my listeners and my supporters. And I will talk to you guys next week. Bye.